Ahoy! You're listening to Diffuse Tap with Kenny Estes and Isla Krem. Today, we're all about getting consensus. Literally, we're joined by Taylor Engstrom, product manager for acquisition and ecosystem, and Johan Bornman, group product lead, both with consensus. We'll be talking exotic DeFi fund strategies that demand close attention and their implications in custody, execution, and more. Enjoy! Oakley Doakley, y'all. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Y'all know the deal. Well, most of you do, but just in case your memory is short or you're new, here's what's on tap at Diffuse Tap. That was really loud. Sorry. Um, this is a weekly event. This is our 129th weekly event. We're going to very briefly talk about the event itself and Diffuse, why we do these things. And then we're going to have a fireside chat with a couple of expert speakers, Mr. Taylor and Johan. And then we're going to do two more rounds of breakout rooms, kind of like you just experience a little bit more directionality in the form of a topic. But the reason we do it this way is because this is mostly a networking event. Um, people don't come to see me, that's for damn sure. Uh, so we do spend about three quarters of our time in small groups of four, five, six, just to network a smidgen. But we do want you to learn a little, learn a little bit. So that's why we have the expert speakers like Taylor and Johan. If you like the networking angle of this, we also do in-person versions of this, Mish, once a month. Next one is in Miami in about a week and a half on November 28th. And I believe that there's an NFT on offer if you manage to make your way over there. And it's going to be hosted by our good ambassador, Mr. Scott Mandel. Let's check it out if you're going to be in the Miami area or you can be in the Miami area. Diffuse, what do we do? We are a crypto hedge fund platform. Seems to be uh interesting choice these days, but we're doing okay so far. Uh, one of our funds is a yield farming, mostly on-chain strategy, which is market neutral. The other one is an index fund. We're in the middle of listing. Potentially by the end of the year, most likely Q1, um, you'll be able to buy us wherever you buy stocks. So that's exciting stuff. But you're not here to hear about me or hear about us. You're here to, well, network and talk to these good folks. So Taylor Engstrom and Johan Bornman, would you mind unmuting yourself and telling us a little bit about your backgrounds and what you guys are up to over at Consensus? Do you want to go, Taylor, or shall I? I can, I, I can go quickly. Uh, hi, everyone. Honored to be here. Really excited. This is a super cool community that, um, you know, the Diffuse has helped enable, and, and we were excited to be invited to come on stage and hopefully... You know, I can't promise any alpha in the current environment, but I think, you know, we can uh, share a lot about what we're currently working on, what we're excited about within DeFi, what we're excited about in terms of MetaMask Institutional. Um, as Kenny said, my name is Taylor Engstrom. I'm the product marketing manager here at MetaMask Institutional. Um, don't have anything remotely close to a finance background. Uh, I come from tech largely, uh, software as a service, and I'm just here to uh, help enable the conversation and hopefully do some networking and answer some burning questions you all have. Uh, but I will pass it over to um, our expert in fintech and the head of our product, Johan. It's a very tough act to follow. Uh, pleasure to meet you all. My name is Johan Bornman. Uh, I am the product lead for MetaMask Institutional. Been with Consensus now for 19 months. My background is in TradFi. Helped to start and build an investment business in London uh, about uh, almost 15 years ago now. Ran a global macro portfolio management desk and uh, did that for about eight years. Realized software is eating the world around 2013, 2014. So essentially combined technology and finance, uh, moved my way over to a robo-advisor as director of product, helped build the company's investment engine and helped them scale across Europe before I built my own fintech business for about three years and then joined Consensus to build, start and lead MetaMask Institutional 
And we focus specifically on providing a Web3 institutional platform, providing unrivaled access to Web3, along with uh, institutional key management, as well as all the sort of things that institutions need to think about when accessing Web3, reporting, monitoring, custody, risk management, et cetera. Awesome. I will drop you right in the deep end for the first round of questions. What would you say would a DeFi fund manager, what are the skill sets that they need? Maybe we could do a comparison. Skill sets about nine months ago of a DeFi fund manager and then skill sets required today. What do you think has changed? It's a thoughtful question. I think that risk management is always top of mind in any capital allocation process. And I think with DeFi, obviously, fundamentally, the first principles stay the same. You're talking about the financial primitives that have been part and parcel of finance since the beginning of time, you know, lending, borrowing, saving, investing, uh, swapping. DeFi obviously takes those first principles and adds code to it, uh, allows for uh, near instant settlements, allows for the creation of risk, the manufacturing of risk, the transfer of risk to be fundamentally better that exists within TradFi today. But with those opportunities come a whole new set of risk management that is required. And I think that, um, you know, coming from a TradFi background, we learn these sorts of things of how do we pyramid into trades? How do we risk management in terms of position sizing? Um, and the infrastructure is sort of fairly standardized and institutionalized. But given the fragmentation of DeFi, given sort of the nascent industry, uh, the nation's, uh, nascent structure of the markets, as well as the industry, I think that um, you know, risk management becomes very technical by its very nature. And so what we often see is that DeFi fund managers have um, not just TradFi backgrounds, but have had to grow their technical expertise and sort of understanding not just blockchain from first principles, but also very importantly, all the nuances that go into running a DeFi fund. So this entails obviously understanding infrastructure, understanding wallet providers, um, you know, node providers, RPC endpoints, uh, MEV extraction, all the technical nuances that go around uh, so when it comes to managing a DeFi fund. And I think what we've seen over the last nine months or so in answering a question is just really a, a deeper focus on risk management in all regards. Conversations we've had over the last sort of six to three months are very much focused on institutions wanting to understand their counterparty risk, their smart contract risk. How do they decode transaction parameters so they know what they're signing? Very importantly, focusing on aspects of um, how the keys are stored, the signing process, governance rules, for example. What are the transactions that are allowed during the signing process? Who are the entities that can sign the transactions? All those risk management considerations, I think, have just sort of increased. And so I think um, the skill set that uh, the DeFi fund manager needs and how it's evolved over the six, last six to nine months is very much risk management. Makes sense. Taylor, anything you want to add to that? Uh, very good overview. Yeah, not a ton. I think um, Johan covered a lot of the a lot of the bases. I think one one sort of thing to keep in mind is that um, you know there are some large differences between um, DeFi and Web three and sort of traditional capital markets. I think the cycles are are, are definitely different. I think um, you know a lot of things can happen very quickly. I think information dissemination within said markets is also different. I mean, you know, uh, things can pump in a very short amount of time and you know obviously we can see the the reverse is true as well so i think it's um you know 
the importance of networking and the importance of, of do your own research is like extremely, um, extremely key to, I think doing a, doing a great job within the industry and just, um, yeah, keep it, keeping up. It's, it's, it's really about, um, understanding what's a, what's a good project, what's behind the, what's, who are the people behind the project? What is maybe the institutional capital behind the project? Um, what's their roadmap? All this sort of stuff is, is, and, you know, coming from, um, people who have an equity research background, there is a lot of similarities. It's just, it's a, it's a little different. So really understanding the nuances, I think, I think is key as you begin to allocate into the space and hopefully invest more and more. Makes sense. You, there's a lot of threads there that all tie to a super topical question. I hope you guys checked your news feeds this morning. And I'll start with you, Taylor, because your microphone's awesome, by the way. Um, Genesis. Uh, what's going on with Genesis? Apparently, apparently there's some issues there. Uh, there's this blending between or this gray area between DeFi and, and TradFi with people like Genesis. What are your what are your thoughts on what's going on? Um, and then also, how does that kind of work into the risk counterparty side of the, the DeFi yield investing? Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm going out of limb here and and look totally uneducated. Like I just said, crypto moves extremely quickly. So if, if things have changed with Genesis, this is an update to me. Um, I would love to pass this over to Johan to talk about sort of um, because th this sort of thing has, has happened before. So um, the second part of your question, Johan, I'd love for you to to help me out here. So um, I think there have definitely been some murmurings in the market for a while of how Genesis uh, was impacted. Um, obviously, um, I think everyone's very well aware that the uh, 3AC uh, fallout had a deep impact on Genesis and um, obviously the, the group that stands behind them. Um, given what happened with Alameda, um, I think there was already murmurings in the market that many of the lending discs would be deeply impacted. And so it's not surprising to see both Genesis as well as um uh what's the own product that that genesis runs for uh, for um gemini yeah, iron yeah. yeah exactly has also been halted um not surprising i think we all know especially for for most of us who've been who've experienced running money that the first second third order effects are dp dp painful and so um, you know, last week I think took the market by surprise. We spoke with a lot of clients and users that are still very much in a state of shock, given how fast the FTX uh, sort of situation evolved and how quickly uh, the whole process unwound. And I think um, you know what we are expecting to see is second and third order effects uh, impacting different, different uh, impacting the lending market and obviously different traders and and um, books. Uh, for the foreseeable future. I don't have deep insight in terms of, you know, what happens next. Uh, obviously, important to know we're a software business. We don't trade risk. Uh, we don't run money. We're not a hedge fund. We provide infrastructure and tooling. Um, and so we don't really have deep insight in terms of making market predictions. The only thing that I can say is that it's very, very understandable that a lot of these lending decks are deeply impacted given what has happened with Alameda. And I suspect we'll continue to see fallouts for the foreseeable future. Yeah. And I think to just sort of expand and add on some of the stuff Johan mentioned, I think at the end of the day with whether it's FTX or BlockFi or Celsius or, you know, whoever it is, like, remember at the end of the day, these are not, you know, these are not magical computer systems. These are sort of the true ethos of decentralized software and sort of the stuff we work on. These are, these are companies and these are people and these are, um, you know, brokers for specific time, 
types of assets. So um, the fallout and the, the stuff that's um, been caused by these players, I think, is not at all a direct reflection on sort of the promise of DeFi and the promise of the stuff that we work on. And I heard sort of relevant to Genesis, as I heard recently, um, you know, doing a lot of the research on this FTX fallout is that this their initial, I think it was 5% or something like that in terms of um, users initially locking up their assets. Um, that was not yield that was coming from any specific coin or any specific yield strategy. That was literally just FTX, um, you know, paying that and 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 having it under the um, ha- having it under the marketing that that somehow blockchain is enabling that five percent return when it's really just the company paying it. So I think it's it's really important to sort of um, you know decouple um, some of these exchanges and the way um, those financial systems work versus. Um, actual um, blockchains and, and actual decentralized software uh, like MetaMask Institutional. Yeah. Um, I can give you a, another little question here, kind of more into the strategy land of things. Uh, it is obviously concerning when uh, when someone just hands you a check and it's not being earned <laughs> by doing anything. That's concerning. What are some of the strategies you've seen over the last few, let's say even 10 months? Uh, there was a lot of kind of vanilla Yield farming. Uh, apparently, Alameda was doing a lot of that, and then kind of <laughs> going all the way over to more complex strategies. What have you seen over the last few months that has been cropping up in terms of new strategies, and what do you mm. think might be successful moving forward? Yes, I think one can segment the market by some key consistent strategies we see. Um, first and foremost, is early token. So that's to- typically VC investing, uh, often obviously going to protocols directly. Um, often going into investing contracts, so earning tokens over time as they are distributed. Um, then we see a lot of yield strategies, uh, the most plain vanilla there being uh, staking. So this is normally ETH staking or other layer one staking um, strategies. And then that sort of that yield category then expands into more complex strategies over time. So we um, start with you know stablecoin yield. So um, investing stable coins and then staking that in different uh, DeFi protocols and then expanding into what we see quite sophisticated strategies being run by some of the larger players. And that normally coalesces on kind of risk frameworks around how much they can allocate to a particular DeFi protocol, to a layer one or layer two network, um, the smart contract risk they can take, and then building sort of very focused risk adjusted return and sizing into their portfolios. Um, following that, uh, we work a lot of users that have sort of conventional hedge fund, hedge fund strategies. So this could be Delta or market neutral, um, some directional uh, trading strategies. Uh, we see a lot of um, programmatic or systematic strategies as well. That's normally through kind of LPing into DEXs. And then I think something that we've seen emerge over the last year, but particularly over the last three months or so, which is far more sophisticated allocation towards NFTs. And this started with sort of an allocation around NFTs in a DeFi portfolio, sort of small allocation, uh, normally a buy and hold strategy. And that has now evolved where we're starting to see far more sophisticated NFT funds start and deploy capital. And many of these funds you know, are building their own um, pricing models. They're running advanced uh, programmatic strategies. And so we're, it's a very interesting sort of segment of the market that we've seen far more sophistication emerge into. So I think that sort of spans the gamut from very plain Manila to more sophisticated. Taylor, you want to add to that? 
Yeah, I, I think one thing that Johan and I chatted about yesterday was just the, you know, I think this was a huge theme during DeFi summer is just um, chasing the chasing the highest yield and getting really complicated and sophisticated in how you approach that. People talk about yield farming, and I think one thing that goes into sort of the risk management calculus that's not just you know how you custody your assets and and who you trade with and what blockchain you may be on, but um, also within these yield strategies, right? Like, how do you think through the risk per your protocol, the risk per the smart contract um, underlying within these protocols? Um, what stable coins you, you you maybe add to your mix in terms of how you're you're farming uh, this yield? So I think there's there's really a lot of things to be um, to be pursued uh, in the in in hopes of growth. So it's really important to to have a, a true POV um, and and you know have your different. Um, areas for for flexibility there in terms of how you shift that in terms of which projects you truly believe on in terms of the old school you know buy and hold that came from early Bitcoin early Ethereum adopters to these more um, sophisticated yield farmers. So um, yeah, makes sense. Yes, so yes, completely. Yeah, I think something very interesting we've observed from a lot of our users is just how risk-taking and uh, risk-averse has evolved over the last 18 months. What we saw was a very popular layer one trade, um, you know, in 2020 and 2021. Um, and then that has very much culminated in kind of a very risk-averse stance across many of our users. You know, so there's a lot of market-neutral strategies being deployed at the moment. Uh, big allocation to Ethereum, stable coins, where that mix would have been far more allocated, more diversely across layer ones. And obviously, Luna had a giant impact on how portfolios were positioned during that fallout, but also subsequently. Love it. You guys touched on a few things that are near and dear to us. I mean, our, our DD and does require, you know, looking at the actual code for smart contracts and things along those lines and thing where there's rug pull risks. But fundamentally on chain, and this is a variant of Mr. Mowry's question, Fundamentally, on-chain is very different risk profiles than TradFi. TradFi, people understand counterparty risk. That's totally a thing. With the implosion of FTX and now Genesis FUD, we'll call it. I don't know what it's going to end up shaking out to be. There's a lot of uh, hypothesis or uh, guessing that we're going to see a lot of this capital flow into decentralized platforms and away from centralized platforms. Do you think that, you know, with MetaMask Institution or Institutional is right in the name there, do you think institutions can actually do that? Like, can they can they go in in reasonable size on chain? Do they have the risk framework to actually support that? Do you or do you see that thesis not working out? Very leading. Sorry. Yeah. So thank you for the subtle question. Um, absolutely, uh, would be our answer. I think we fundamentally believe in the decentralized future. Um, you know, we believe that Web three is the building of the new internet. DeFi is the financial system for the Web3 economy. And invariably, we will all be transacting, living on the new decentralized web. And what uh, DeFi offers is fundamentally better infrastructure, right? As I mentioned earlier, you can create risk, you can transfer risk, you can package risk fundamentally better. And around that, you also have near instant settlements. And with sort of the way blockchains are structured, you have transparency, you have interoperability, things that, as you're, you've just mentioned, with all these centralized entities, you just do not have. And so, um, you know, we believe the future is on chain. Uh, we are absolutely observing large institutional capital moving on chain. 
both sort of within MetaMask Institutional, but also a lot of our on-chain custodial partners have seen a lot of inflows. And then I think that the second point of your question is very important in terms of, you know, can the on-chain or decentralized web um, and DeFi protocols take large institutional capital? And I think, you know, what we've seen over the last few years is a, a flood of VC investing into all sorts of projects, protocols, tooling, infrastructure, services to essentially build the bridges required for institutional capital to move into the space far more meaningfully. And then secondly, what we're seeing in terms of uh, the scaling of um, you know, Ethereum, other layer ones, is the infrastructure that can take large institutional capital. So today, there aren't uh, only probably a handful of DeFi protocols that can take um, you know, uh, allocation from some of the largest hedge funds in the world. But that is being built out now to kind of, again, provide the bridging so that institutional capital can deploy meaningfully within Web3. And so, um, you know, blockchain and crypto can be very volatile, um, as we've experienced over the last several years. But I think there's just this fundamental wave of innovation happening and this fundamental wave of institutional capital more and more allocating to the space. And this is something that we are very passionate about. It's very much our mission within MetaMask Institutional. We are squarely focused on how do we bridge every single organization on planet Earth into Web3. And so all the things we're building is ready to facilitate that. Love it. Taylor, do you want to add a little bit and then we're going to do a breakout room? Yeah, I was just going to say that I think, you know, uh, sort of inherent in what Johan was finishing with there, I think this this moment can really be a watermark for our industry. And I think, you know, personally, we're seeing it now with with MetaMask customers in terms of um, how some of them are, are, are draining most, if not all, uh, of some of their funds from centralized exchanges. And I think um, people are really realizing what, you know, um, the Wizard of Oz that uh, someone like SPF could could represent in terms of there being nothing behind the curtain, I think. Um, when, when code is law and, and, and when everything is on chain, I think um, ultimately a lot of um, in, individuals, let alone institutions, are, are very safe. And I think um, the early days with DeFi summer being, you know, uh, less than five years behind us, very, very recent, um, that the space is still maturing at a very uh, at a very rapid pace. And I think we have a lot of the sort of uh, primitive and building primitives and building blocks. And that's just going to you know make things a bit more safe and a bit more, um, you know, innovation is not, uh, there is risk in, in innovation, of course, but I think as the space matures and as people realize more and more the true um, power uh, and safety that can come with we de with decentralization, um, it's it's ultimately a net good, I think, for, for anyone looking to get into the space and invest more. Love it, makes sense. Yeah, pros and cons, but certainly the transparency goes a long way and minimize your transparency risk. Um, I know, uh, Taylor, you said DeFi, DeFi somewhere was five years ago. That might be, you know, feel like five years ago. But that was less like than five years, years ago. ago. I think Three it was 2020. Ago, yeah, summer 2020, which is just yeah. crazy how much has happened. Yeah. It's it's crypto years, though. They always go fast. Um, we're going to do another breakout room. Uh, a couple of housekeeping items for you all. One, this is a networking event, not a pitching event. Please be respectful of that. Be kind to one another. And we don't do a full participant list. So join our Telegram group or, you know, contact people right then and there if you meet somebody you want to stay in touch with. All righty. I will pop you into rooms now. You'll be about four or five folks uh, on average, just people uh, in one way, shape, or form connected to trading or crypto, most of them, or alternative assets, one way, shape, or form. 
I'll give you a question um, for the breakout room, but don't feel beholden at all. Uh, if you were going to think through what does centralization look like in the future, is that real-time audits? Is that even a centralized uh, exchange would have all their chain, all their assets somewhere on um, uh, completely visible to all users? How would you imagine that the future of decentralization might look? Pop your rooms now, and we'll see you back here in 10 minutes. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Um, Taylor and Johan, I forgot to warn you, so hopefully I don't put you two on the spot here, but the question is always the same between breakout rooms. Tell us the future, what's coming down the pipe? How do you think the things are going to develop from here? And it's open-ended, whatever you want to talk about. Johan's laughing. Please take it away. <laughs> no pressure. Um, I think so. I phrased a bit of this earlier that, you know, we believe that the, um, the future is Web3. Um, that means that, you know, the last few weeks, I think it's just been a reminder of how important decentralization is. Um, I was mentioning in the breakout room that you tend to find technology that this, there's a pretty distribution that evolves over time. And so we have, you know, one search engine, um, one social network, one professional social network, and then obviously a long tail of sort of smaller providers. And I think what you're seeing in, in DeFi and Web3 is um, because it allows for permissions innovation, radical experimentation, radical innovation. And with that, obviously, we are going to see um, you know, a lot of this experimentation fail. Um, but I think the first principles hold. And so you know, in this time of volatility with 3AC, and this time volatility with um, you know, FTX, I think it's a reminder of the importance of decentralization. So I would say that um, you know, we'll continue to see a building of the infrastructure, building of the tooling, um, something that we're tremendously excited about is just the amount of institutional capital we're seeing flooding to the space and how that has evolved from hedge funds, crypto funds, DeFi funds to more traditional organizations. You know, we've seen luxury brands, sports franchises, um, retailers starting to allocate to Web3, not necessarily focusing on DeFi, but very interested in terms of the opportunities that Web3 affords in terms of their IP, uh, in terms of you know, the metaverse. And that trend has not slowed despite what's happening in FTX. And I think that will just accelerate. Totally makes sense. Love it. Uh, Taylor, you want to add anything from your crystal ball? Yeah, no. I mean, I think you know, I, I, I love and agree with everything Johan said. I think um, one little small thing I'll add that is sort of near and dear to my heart is sort of a... Um, you know, someone who's been a part of a lot of startups and, and loves them and loves rooting for the the little guy. I think um, something that's happening now and will increasingly happen in the future is just the democratization of of what decentralization does, specifically DeFi. I, I think we may have missed this in our first question, but just like what it what it would look like to be able to play with some of the capital that we see with some of our DeFi funds and our NFT funds. Um, some of these folks in the past would would have no chance to have. Um, that sort of autonomy as an investor, you would have to spend, you know, whatever, five to 10 years on a, on a trading desk or with a major um, bulge bank before you get any level of the sort of um, autonomy and, and freedom and, you know, um, independence to, to, to put together your, your investing strategies into the world and um, to, um, yeah, to really, to really innovate within the space. So I think those some of the barriers that uh, decentralization and, and DeFi specifically breaks down, um, not only for just the general financial system, but um, for people looking to to get in the space and sort of 
um, you know, put put their put their beliefs and put their POV um, on paper um, in the financial world. So that's really exciting to me, and I think we'll see more of that, especially as uh, more as as Johan put it, more protocols, more infrastructure, more technologies are produced um, that make that easier and make it safer. Love it. it makes total sense, and I think we're 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 super on board with that vision. Uh, very excited for it. But breakout room, Isla, what do you think? Yeah, let us do it again. I sure hope that you will find new friends this time around again. I'll pop you into rooms now, and we will see you in about 10 minutes or so. Julio. All right, let me find the right slide. Wait for it. Uh, yes, we're going to do a couple of wrap-up items, and we're going to get you out of here right on time. Um, we, as I mentioned at the top, this is a weekly event. Next one, we're talking about green blockchains. Come learn a little bit about the carbon offset blockchain overlap. As a reminder, we do do periodic in-person networking events, November 28th in Miami, um, hosted by Scott. And then we have January, I think this is 12th, but my eyes are bad, in San Francisco, hosted by McKinsey and Paul. And now also join the Telegram group, introduce yourself. It's really good for networking because, well, the only people who show up here like to network. So uh, use that to its fullest. Isla, any talking points I missed? No, that is it. Uh, stay safe out there. I hope everybody feels all right. And uh, we hope to see you exactly one week from now. Yep. And Johan and Taylor, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything you would like to plug and how can people find you? Uh, I would be remiss if I did not point folks to Metamask Institutional. As I mentioned, we have this broad mission of bridging every single organization on planet Earth into Web3. We're focusing on not just offering the most trusted institutional wallets, but then also around that all the infrastructure tools to manage risk and accessing Web3 as a crypto fund. So do check us out, metamask.io forward slash institutions. Taylor, anything to add? Yeah, thank you, everyone. This was an amazing event. We really appreciate the opportunity to, to speak to you all and, and hopefully um, build some hope if you lost any over the last week or so. Uh, the breakout rooms were especially enjoyable. Uh, shout out to all the people I got a chance to meet and chat with. I, I put our main link in the Zoom chat. I'm also in Telegram. So um, feel free to DM me any of your specific questions. If there are any um, you know, things you're, you're thinking about or, or ways to potentially get started with MetaMask Institutional, and I will send some more helpful links in there. So uh, thanks again, and hopefully I'll see you guys soon in a future event. Thank you very much. Thank you, Johan Taylor, for your wisdom and everybody else for showing up and contributing. It doesn't work without you. So we'll thank see you, so you in, uh, well, a little bit less than a week. Have a yes, good day. Thank uh, you. Thank yeah. you. Johnny. Bye, everybody. Katie and Peace. Bye. Thanks so Thank much. You. Bye. Thanks, bye. That's all, folks. Hope you learned something new. If you join us on Zoom every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central, you can also network with other fascinating alternative investors from all over the world in small groups of four or five. Learn more on our website at www.diffusefunds.com. Until next time.